Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in Reno. No Steve Cofield today. John Von Tobel filling in. Demon alongside. Uh, by the way, shout out John on uh, Twitter. Also, uh, our text line, 69187. You can uh, call in there. Turn around, don't drown. That is the quirky rhyme that I was looking for when it comes to, you know, driving safe when it comes to flooding. Would have never guessed that one. Well, you had a good one. What was yours? Don't, don't be, be stupid and drive through it. That's not bad. That's not terrible. Like, in the pitch meeting for the National Weather Service, oh. I think that makes, like, the final board. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what I mean? It doesn't win, but it, it's, it's not a turnaround, don't drown. But it's not terrible, especially on the spot. Well, you know, as long as it keeps me in the running a little bit. But turnaround, don't drown. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just telling you, don't drive through it, you know. But what else are you going to do? Sure. Yeah, that's telling you, hey, also don't drive through it, but also just turn around. Yeah, and also it's stupid to do it, so it's really yeah. good. Can I say really quickly before we get to the Big Four, I'll have to save the, the details on this. I was listening the other day when I wasn't here. Steve Cofield made a comment about me I did not appreciate to the point where when I laid my clothes out today <laughs> – I actually did have like a full suit and tie laid out, and I was like, "Do I want to come in in a full suit and tie to prove a point here?" But I have to save it for a day that Steve's actually here. I love the idea that everyone's just now going to be suited and booted for the show now. Wait, because he made a comment about like you know you were making because Adam was the one that was giving you crap. I was sticking up for your outfit the other day. The only criticism I had was what I said. I'd wear pants like the khaki pants. I think would look better than the shorts. That was my only thing. It was just a tip. Adam was killing you. And then Steve makes some comment like, well, the way these guys dress, they shouldn't be talking about it. I was like, I had I dressed perfectly fine. I'm on camera for my normal job. Some you, days, you like, would wear that? No, that, not this. On days like today where I don't have to be on camera, I like to wear, I'm wearing golf shorts, a t-shirt, and a hat. It's color coordinated. Black shorts, navy blue shirt, Clippers hat with a Blake Griffin logo on it for some reason. Yeah, it's like a Blake. My mom got it for me for like 10 years ago. Okay. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. We're keeping the vibe going, right? Youthfulness, energy. Today is Madden launch day, as I mentioned to open the show. Congratulations to all who celebrate, who all who take part. Probably like there's a good ch- there's a chunk of our audience that does, but maybe not. I don't know. They just nowadays they're just kind of reskinning the same game and then spitting it back out for now. How about this? Seventy dollars. What? Oh yeah, these next generation games. There's actually a game coming out. It's like Dungeons and Dragons, but like a video game version of it. Seventy nine ninety nine. Isn't that insanity? Yes, dude. Pricing me out. I'm an old man. They're pricing me out. Pretty soon, like the. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre game I told you came out today. That was only thirty-five. That's why I was in sixty-nine or seventy-nine ninety-nine. I was kind of in on the Dra- the Dungeons and Dragons game that I'm talking about. It's called Baldur's Gate Three. I'm out. Nope, can't do it. Waiting for a discount. I bring up Madden because I don't think this is true. Tyreek Hill was at media availability today. They asked him a question about film on other corners. This was his response. Nah, so so I feel like Madden has a good tell of how good players are. So I just play Madden the night before, and I go look at all their ratings. So 
Let's say, for instance, they had Steve Nelson and Derek Stingley over there. Two phenomenal players, by the way. Um, I just go get on Madden. I go to the EA rosters. Then I scroll down and see what their awareness is, their speed is, and they sprint. And that's how I get a good tail on them. There's a lot here. First off, I don't believe him. What? I think more play- he's putting more players on game. We're, we're casting a lot of doubt on stories. Adam doubted that I was at my child's birth. I doubted that Derek Carr's children were actually rooting for the Raiders. I still do. I also doubt this. I There's no way. What you, I think that's a solid game plan. That is definitely, like I said, he should be putting players on game. They should have the pen and paper. I'd be like, mm, I should, I'm going to get on Madden tonight too. As somebody who used to play Madden, what is awareness? You can't I, even I, tell me what I tell you what is. it is. It's what you need for your guy to like. If you want, <laughs> that's going to get your guy over the hump. He knows where to be in space. That's the difference between him getting beat on a play. Your quarterback definitely needs it. If his awareness is low, man, he's getting hit by the sacks. You know, I don't know what awareness is, but if you're <laughs> let's say if you drop it down from a zero to a ninety-nine. That's like 10 points for your player. Like, is he really looking at his, oh, his awareness is at an 80? Yeah. I better be aware that he's aware. Like, what does that even do for you? Hey, what's that before the snap? Boom. I guess, is that it? Like, play recognition, I suppose? Yeah. This guy can't recognize the play. There you go. You're talking yourself into it. That's awareness. Hey, this guy, his speed's only an 85? Well, I'm a 99. I know I can beat him. His strength, don't let this guy try to jam me up off the line. It all makes sense. You think there's Madden, like, developers who are out there watching guys? Yeah, they go to every game. And what, but like, what are they looking for in terms of awareness? Did that guy get beat on that play? Did he look like he knew where he was at? Flip it over to basketball. I'm, there's got to be at least one player that's out there that's like, oh, what's his three? Like, I don't. I'm not reading the scouting report. He's a 68 in the game. I will say this. So there's a lot of people again because I'm a millennial, right? A lot of people are like, oh, kids today playing video games. Back in the day in NCAA, I think it was like 08, somewhere around that. People doubt how much those actually taught you. This is maybe because you're obviously a little bit younger than me, like five years. But those games, if you remember, I don't know if it was between quarters, whatever it was, but they would quiz you on coverages. So they would actually show you a play, Mm -hmm. like if you threw an interception, and then they would replay it for you, and they would ask you what coverage was the defense in. And you'd have to like watch the play and tell them what coverage it was, and they would give you tips on how to read coverage and everything like that. Like There are things that teach. I don't know if it's something I would use to scout an opponent corner, though. Number three. Oh, boy. You know, sometimes there's good intentions. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know, you can execute this a little bit better. Air Force. So they have this Air Power Legacy Series, which is all these different uniforms that they have, right? And they've come up with some pretty good ones in years past. I think the one that was mentioned... Uh, the other day, that was pretty good. I think it was the uh, Space Force uniforms that was last year. Those were pretty sick. The, this year, there's some questions about what we're doing here. Air Force's new uniform for this year as part of the series pays homage to the Doolittle Raid, which was the American retaliation for Pearl Harbor. And to tweet it out with the uh, the uniforms to announce it, there's a quote from General James Doolittle, quote, the Japanese were apparently entirely unprepared for our arrival. That's right. I feel like there's a better way to do this. Yeah, the Japanese, I mean, with the release of Oppenheimer, now this. Right. It, it's been, you know, people are taking victory laps on the Japanese for no reason. Like, they're getting strays. 100%. And look, that was 
understand what the Japanese did. All of that, like World War II, everything. We understand Bad. history. I feel like constructing a football uniform around it is kind of odd, at the very least. And there's so many other things to use, yes. right? Like, that's the other part. That's There's so many different ways that you could go about something. And, and like, the other things that they celebrated, like I said, Space Force. 2021 was the B-52 Strato Fortress. The 2021 uh, was a, a tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen. There's different things you could do instead of... I don't know, building uniform off of retaliation off of a terrible event where people died? I just feel like there's different ways to do it. And if you're going to do it, different ways to announce it on Twitter. By the way, the tweet that they put out there as well, with the, with the uh, quote that I said, all it was was an ambush. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Some of those people are still alive today. Number two. You excited? You're a Shannon Sharp guy, right? Yeah. I'm a big Stephen A. Smith fan. Look at that. Looks like Stephen A. is going to get his cohort. Shannon Sharp reportedly will join ESPN. Stephen A., you're excited? Tell us about it. It'll be great to have him. Here's the issue. We don't. Sorry, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. It's a bit premature. Shannon Sharp has yet to sign on the dotted line to be a member of first take. It has not happened yet. I'm still confident it'll happen. I still believe it will happen. I think it needs to happen and I have no doubt that I'm going to exhaust any means I have available to me to make it happen. I could have told you all that. You could have? I could have just said, oh, he hasn't signed on the dotted line. That's what Stephen A. said. But I wanted to hear him. Those two together are going to be great. I am a Stephen A. Smith fan. Shannon Sharp has become a meme unto himself because of the way he acted on Undisputed, and in a good way, too. Yes. Those two together might get me back in on first take. I think that the reports from Andrew Marshawn was, oh, Monday, Tuesday, make it all week. I don't care if it's like the thick of the NBA season. Just bring in just bring in whoever that fourth person's going to be, Molly Shannon, and you know, in Stephen A, I don't bring in JJ Reddick, Perk. I don't care. I need him there for everything because he's that entertaining. There's a I I, cut, I didn't send it to you to cut. Did you watch the whole clip that I sent you, or just that part? Just that part. Because there's a great at the beginning. He's like, he's gonna join first take, 12 p.m. Eastern, number one show forever. You already know that. Like he's awesome. Stephen A. Smith is absolutely fantastic. It does remind me of a great story. I got to meet him here. He came to use the edit phase one time for his show. And I was in the office right across from the edit phase, and it was just three hours of listening to him scream in the edit bay. And also, he may have popped out, asked where the nearest Burger King was, and then threw a 20 at Bobby and told him, I'll take a Whopper with no cheese. Did he, did he get his burger? Uh, it was Bobby. What do you think? Bobby was like, I gave the 20 to somebody else. I don't know if he ever got it. I think it was Jared. I think Jared's also told me this story before. Number one. I have not left a lot of time here because I don't trust myself, so I'm just going to say this and we'll rip the Band-Aid off. There's somebody named Dick Bigger Jr. who likes to get baseballs signed, and it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's a story that pops up, I think, almost every year. And every year, I just I don't know what to do. That's it. I mean, I would love to keep talking because he gets it signed, I think, with one of the tweets from the story that you sent. It's the governor of Illinois, and he's signing baseballs for... Dick Bigger Jr. of Bigsville. I just, I can't. We can't do it. I'm going to get in trouble. They know. The parents knew. They had to know. 
Almost made a big mistake there. Yeah, we got we got we got a little bit more time. We can sit on this a little bit okay. more. We can let this marinate. This is a ridiculous name. The fact for him to be a junior. That well, I mean, yes, that's the other part. I mean, I assume his name is Richard. Ah, uh, yeah, Richard Bigger. I've, I've never understood that connection. William is Bill. John is Jonathan. Jonathan John. Steve did it yesterday. He's talking about Richard Sherman. Oh, he's going to be joining the desk with Skip on can Undisputed. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, Dick Sherman. And I was like, well, I started looking around. Who, who's Dick Sherman? I just... And when you, when you name him... When your last name is Richard... And I told the beautiful story of when I gave birth to my son. And you know your last name is bigger. You're like, you know what? Richard. And we're going to call him Dick. I can't like, what are we doing? Uh, you you, you want to go there? What? Who do you think's bigger, senior or junior? <laughs> Stop. Now you're going to get in trouble. See, there we go. <laughs> if only anybody can see Demond laughing at his own joke. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> that, could you imagine an athlete with that name? He'd get so many people in trouble. I mean, that is kind of an athlete name. You got to. I saw there was a, one year there was a kid. I can't remember what his name was in the recruiting class for Marcus Arroyo, but I saw his name, and my immediate takeaway was like, he better be good. Because <laughs> with a name like that, you got to be good. Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Going on here on Cofield and Company, no Steve Cofield, John Von Tobel filling in. But we continue to do all the things that Steve likes to do. Get angry for no reason, have coffee breath, all those all those things. I haven't had any coffee. Well, I got I had coffee. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm filling in on the coffee breath side of things, you know. I got to sit like right across from him, so I experience it a lot more. Uh, let's get, let's also continue uh, rolling down the schedule for the Las Vegas Raiders and talking about some of their opponents. Chicago Bears are going to take on the Raiders at the end of October, and nice enough to give us some time to talk about those Bears. Herb Howard's here with us, Bears beat reporter for It's the Bigs. Herb, thank you for the time. So let's just start. You know, I am a Colts fan too, so I get to scratch two itches here. Uh, what's your observations from joint practices? Because reading some reports for Chicago, it sounds like the Bears on the right side of things against Indy in these joint practices. Yeah, definitely. I think the Bears just you know got into a space this year where they just have obviously more talent than they had last year. I mean, there's a lot more top-end talent. You bring in a, a legitimate number one receiver like B.J. Moore, you sign Yannick Ngakwe. There's just a lot more you know, top-end talent bring in Tremaine Edmonds, and that's apparent on the field. And so I think they definitely you know, got the better of the joint practice with the Colts. I think it was good work for both teams. So what has, if we're talking about them getting the better of it, what has stuck out? Has it been the offense? Has it been the defense? What has gotten the better of Indianapolis? You know, when you talk about getting the better of them, it's really, I, I, I guess I want to put it into perspective and just talk about how the, the, the Bears are improving in, in terms of, you know, their physicality. Uh, they came into this, this offseason with a lot of questions at the offensive line and the defensive line, and I think the defensive line is going to end up being a lot better than a lot of people kind of anticipated. Um, and you got a lot of competition at a lot of key spots. Wide receiver, cornerback, they got some good young talent there that's proven itself early. And so I think they just kind of confirmed some of the things they thought about themselves uh, as much as anything. 
So one of the things that really does stick out of, like, I really want to see some improvement for Chicago is obviously the offensive line. And I know that Matt Eberflus mentioned the other day that in practice, you know, Justin Fields had had some success in seven-on-sevens, but mentioned multiple times the protection, the protection, the protection. Is this offensive line going to get better for Fields, who was under pressure by some standards, 45% of his dropbacks that, that can't be sustainable? What is the expectation for the offensive line this year? Uh, they definitely, they definitely should be much more improved. It'd be hard for them to be worse in terms of pass pro last year. Uh, you talk about the hits and the pressure that Justin was possibly under, but you go left to right. You got Braxton Jones, who was that fifth round pick last year as a rookie. He started 17 games, and so the, the the hope for him is that he continues to improve. He struggled with the bull rush last year. If he can improve on that area, he should take a significant jump. They've got Tevin Jenkins, who's kind of bounced around since the Bears drafted him in the second round couple of years ago, and now he's at left guard right now. Cody Whitehair is in the, the veterans at center. They brought in over Nate Davis, the right guard from the Tennessee Titans, and they obviously drafted Darnell Wright to play rookie with their 10th pick in the first round this year, to play right tackle with their first round pick this year. Um, I think they, these guys need time to gel, though, right? they got to get time uh, on task to be able to kind of get that nonverbal communication down, how they're going to pass off these types of stunts and those types of situations. Nate Davis has been out for the majority of the time, and so they really need you know, to see what it looks like when he's, you know, back in there as a full participant and start to kind of develop that chemistry, especially since he's playing next to a rookie on that right side. So if they can come together and, and get enough reps, I think they should be a solid offensive line. Do they have, you know, pro bowls? We'll, we'll see about that in terms of down there, right? But I think they should be a much improved offensive line. So we assign – when we see sacks, when we see quarterback pressure, obviously we immediately go to the offensive line. Some of the pressure allowed, though, was due to Justin Fields holding on to the ball too long. What have you yeah. seen from him in the regard of getting better at that? And has that been a talking point at all at any point this offseason? Like, look, we've got to get better, too, for Justin Fields and not allowing that pressure to come. Yeah, it certainly, certainly some of it was definitely on Justin. I think, you know, just having uh, another year in the same system, this is the second year in this system with the same offensive coordinator, Luke Getsy. He's got the same quarterback coach with uh, Janoko. So I think he's just a little bit more comfortable Last year, he was kind of just kind of learning the system, and you know he wasn't necessarily on time and trying to you know solve the answers post snap. I think he had got to a place at some point where he understood full well what he wanted to do pre snap, but then post snap, once that defense moved around, he kind of had a little bit of a hard time trying to find those answers and pull the trigger. He also was working with uh, limited talent on the outside, especially once Darnell Mooney went down. And so again, you add you know talent to the outside that should open up some things for him. But yeah, a lot of that was on him and just in terms of the. You know, going through your progressions, they talk about, you see here the offensive coordinator, Luke Gessie, talk a lot about, you know, tying his eyes to his feet and making sure that his eyes are where they're supposed to be based on where he's at in his drop and his hitch and his motions and those types of things. And so uh, right now you're starting to see him get the ball out a little bit sooner, certainly than he was last year. Still inconsistent, still not exactly where you want to be in terms of consistently hitting your drop, making a hitch and getting the ball out on time. So it's not, it's not where you prefer it to be but certainly improved on, on from where it was last year. With that pre-draft trade, you already mentioned him, DJ Moore, but how has the reception yeah. been for him? And is that receiver room maybe just going to get better now that they have a true number one around them? Yeah, no doubt about it. He's been an absolute multiplier. It seemed like him and Justin have been playing together for years. Their chemistry kind of, like, worked automatically. They put in a lot of work together. I know he went down in Florida and worked with Justin, you know, during the offseason, but um, – he is an, a multiplier for this offense. He's going to help everybody out. You talk about Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool is going to be healthy and a contributor. DJ Moore is going to multiply all of those guys. Just the attention that he's going to be able to command uh, should, should create some, some nice matchups for the rest of those guys in terms of the wide right receiver group 
but also the tight ends they got. So I think bringing in B.J. Moore, and anytime you can improve a position group from the top down, that's what you want to do is kind of push it down and say you're not projecting can Darnell Mooney be a number one, can Chase Claypool be a number one. You get a legitimate number one, then you're able to slot those guys into two and three, and now they you know, are much better suited against, uh, with better matchups on, on game day. Moving over to the defensive side. You really quick. Sorry, oh, no, go, 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 I go, wanted go. to ask something because you mentioned Chase Claypool. How's that been yeah. going? Because from the outside reading reports, it did seem kind of like a rocky start relationship-wise with Chicago. Has that improved? Yeah, it seems like it seems like it's, it's improved. I think he came over last year in a, in a bit of a tough situation late in the season, trying to learn a new system, acclimate yourself to a new locker room and a new city. And I think it just didn't really work out. Um, but I think, you know, he came on. He was looking pretty good early on in camp. And it seemed like he was – you know, trending in the right direction to be a major contributor uh, to this offense. I actually started a Chase Claypool meter on Twitter because I think if the Bears' offense want to be what they hope they can be, he's got to be a significant part of it. And so every day I was just kind of, is he up, is he down? And I would put a percentage on it. He's been out for a while now. He's kind of pulled up uh, during one-on-one drills, pulled up with a little bit of a hamstring, and he's been out now for a while. And so, uh, you know, until he can get back, you don't know what that's going to look like. But certainly he looked improved. Uh, in the time that he was on the field, the Bears needed him to be healthy and a contributor in this offense. Moving over to the defense side of the ball, I really want to ask about Unique Ngakwe, former Raider. You know, grew to like really like his style of play when he was here in Vegas. But one of the mm-hmm. jokes that people would say about him, hey, he's guaranteed to give you at least eight sacks a season. Besides that, we really don't know. What are the expectations for him with Chicago? Yeah, the expectations are through the roof. Like I said earlier, this defense came, you came into the offseason with lots of questions about this defensive line. They were absolutely terrible last year in terms of their ability to uh, get pressure on the quarterback. They just weren't able to get home, and the entire defense suffered because of it. And so coming into this offseason, there was a lot of questions about how Ryan Pohl, the general manager, will go about attacking those holes on the defensive line. And a lot of people weren't necessarily satisfied with how he went about it in terms of not going out signing a big name defensive end early in the process or passing on Jalen Carter in the in the draft and those types of situations. He did pick up two young defensive tackles, you know, early um, in the in the in the draft. However, Yannick Ngakwe brings in that proven pass rusher. Now there's questions about his ability in the run game. Can he set the edge? He's talking about it, he said you're gonna see this year that defensive coordinator Alvin Williams seems to be confident. He says he's able to set the edge. He has said that he's he can choke a guy out in terms of you know, using that extension and, and setting that edge. And so that's going to be a big part of it. Coach Iberflu said he's going to be a three-down uh, player for them, and so he's going to have to be a contributor in that run game. But I think he is also a guy that should be a multiplier on that defensive front in terms of freeing up other guys, getting creating some one-on-ones for him. I want to ask you about the rest of the division now because we know the Lions, they are the darling of the offseason, the Packers, which yes, Jordan Love going to look like. What do you think the Bears shape up in this division? Right now, I, I would say the Bears are somewhere between, you know, two and three. But when you got Aaron Rodgers getting out of there. It's wide open now, right? It seems like it's wide open for any of these teams. Like you said, the Lions, you know, they won't finish 7-10 last year, but everybody thinks they're going to make a, a significant jump this year and go ahead and win that division. I feel like the talent that the, the Minnesota Vikings have, I know they lost some of that talent this offseason, and they seem to be in flux about what they're going on. But you talk about the talent they still have on the offensive side of the football and the home field advantage that it is playing in that stadium, I think they're still going to be – uh, pretty formidable. I think the Bears could certainly be in the conversation to, to to win the division. I wouldn't necessarily pick them to win it. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it. That would be like their ceiling. Um, but I would say right now they're still maybe second or third. I think that's that's a, that's a, probably a fight that I would say between uh, them and the Lions right now. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Overall in the city, 
what is the expectation? Because out here, right, and from a sports betting standpoint, mm-hmm. I do a lot of sports betting coverage. Fields, <laughs> is, Fields is a very popular ticket in terms of MVP. They're a very yeah. popular bet to win the NFC North. Has that expectation kind of reached Chicago? Like, are the fans expecting big things? No, I think for for the most part, the expectations have. I won't say they're timber, but I think they're realistic. I don't think anybody here in Chicago thinks that they are you know, a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender or anything like that. They're expecting them to be much improved over a three-win team that they were last year. But in terms of being a legitimate contender, I think everybody in Chicago understands they're probably still a year away from that. Now, if all goes well, should, could they be playing meaningful games, you know, at the end of the season? Could they find themselves into the playoffs? Sure they can, but I don't think they're at the point just yet where, they, where they're able to make a, a, a deep run, you know, in the postseason or anything like that. And I think most people in Chicago – view it the same way. So I think the expectations are about where they should be, certainly expecting, you know, uh, a lot of improvement, but not expecting them to be a legitimate, you know, Super Bowl contender or anything like that. Chicago Bears be reporter for It's the Bigs, Herb Howard. You can follow him on Twitter, Herb Howard 411. Herb, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Awesome stuff. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Chicago is uh it's an interesting team because he mentioned it immediately, which is of course now with the the big guy out, Aaron Rodgers, the division's wide open. And you have a team that has consistently been down in the Detroit Lions or a franchise that's been consistently down as a division favorite. you got a Bears team that has a popular selection to win MVP at betting windows and Justin Fields. And the Packers are starting a new quarterback and the Vikings are expected to fall flat on their face. I am all in on Green Bay, though. Oh! What do you mean? He hasn't done anything. What? The team we just talked about has a quarterback that has? He said he's the best Russian quarterback of all time. I mean, he might be. Doesn't mean you've done anything, though. He had MVP buzz last year. What did Jordan Love have? Oh, buzz. Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Six nine one eight seven is the text line. Six nine one eight seven. John Von Tobel filling in for Steve Cofield today. Demon is here. Do uh, you have it up? You have the text line up? Yes, I do. And it is the. I'm just going to say it's the worst text we've ever gotten. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's a 69187 keyword ESPN. And it's going to camp soon, comma, only goal, meet Adam Hill. Dream bigger. Well, whose goal is I'm going to go to camp to see the Raiders, presumably your favorite team, and I want to meet the beat writer for the Review Journal, no, columnist. Well, that's okay. Adam Hill. That's underselling Adam Hill, who's been a sports personality in the Vegas Valley. Dude, how many times? Again, two Fridays in a row. Get Dude, it together. How many times is this going to happen? Two Fridays in a row. I feel like we have a structural issue here. I mean, I'm going to say it. Other people have used the mic this week. Hasn't happened to you. Yes, because I go through a week of other people using the microphone. The, for, the, the microphone fell on me again. This happened again. The, the thread has to be bigger. Dick Bigger. Junior. <laughs> it's got to be bigger. This is what happens. With it. That's why they tell us don't touch them. You guys are breaking uh, protocol by touching them. I've got a nervous tick. I've got to touch it. I don't know. I, I'm not yanking on it. 
I can't do this. I can't work like this. I, you know what? I'm going to stage a protest. I'm not fixing it. I'm just going to switch mics, and I'm just going to leave it here. Okay. This is my protest. All right. Right on. Q, if you're listening. He's not. Oh, he's, not, he's on the air. Yeah, he? he's on the air. Right All now. right, I'll revisit this beef in the next hour then. This is terrible. Can't believe this actually happened to me again. Hold on, hold on. What's up? Got a new text in. Okay, here we go. This person is listening actively. Same person? Yes. Okay. Let's go, LMAO. Adam, three exclamation points. Okay. You had to read that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, was, that added to the conversation. Well, huh? no, we, we, made, we talked about Adam. It's a short segment here. And we also got another text. This There's is no someone different. Or, There's no segments in radio, as okay. Steve would say. <laughs> we got another text. This guy, more my speed. Who wants to meet Adam Hill? Eight question marks. You counted them? It's a glance. Okay. I assumed. Guess the I think a lot of people would like to meet Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review Journal and of Cofield and Company, who has been a sports personality and arguably one of the biggest sports personalities in the Las Vegas Valley. One of the most connected for sure. Figuratively and literally. Touched a lot of people's lives. Whatever you do, when you meet Adam, he's a hugger. Loves to go in for hugs. Sometimes I can't get him off of me. I'm like, Adam, stop hugging me. So whatever you do, when you see Adam out of camp, give him a big old hug. Especially from strangers unannounced. Loves it. That's the promo right there. Because the, the the entire listening audience, maybe if you miss it here, we've got to spread that message. If you see Adam Hill, because apparently people want to meet him. You know, Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, actually. I mean, so. Hey, That's right. Might get him to sign something. Who knows? Uh, did you know that yesterday was schedule release day for the NBA? Yes. Schedule releases don't have the same fanfare in the NBA as they do in the NFL because, like, you play everybody and, you know, whatever. It's 82 games. So, again, I will tap into the youth here. You're a big wrestling guy. I sent the video. Did you watch the Nuggets schedule release? No. The only one I watched was the Nets because they did the, the Titans ripoff. Yes, they did. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, That was lame. Yeah. That was lame. And I said, if this is what if this is what we have in store, I'm not in for it. Yeah, the Nuggets did. Um, I'm going to show my nerdiness here. They did a Jujutsu Kaisen themed schedule release. Does that do anything for you? Not a thing. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. Not a big anime guy, huh? I know Naruto. If they would have done Naruto, Naruto, I would have Well, you put the flare on it <laughs> because some people is like. Um, it's Adam's whole argument we had, what, a couple of weeks yes, ago, right? Yes. <laughs> Just gonna save that one. Yeah, you don't have to you don't have to you don't have to try to pronounce it in some sort of fashion like that. You just say Naruto. Yeah, Jujutsu Kaisen. Hottest anime out there, baby. Von Tobel's big fans. Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome back in. Cofield and Company here on ESPN Las Vegas and happy to welcome in our guest right now. Adam Burke is nice enough to give us some time here today. One of my cohorts over at the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Awesome college football mind and with week zero a week away. Uh, it's time to start to look at college football from a betting perspective. So, Adam, first off, I, I was actually telling Damon this, our producer, the other day. I'm oddly excited 
for college football this season. I don't know why. I, I don't know what the excitement is for. Maybe it's just because it's around the corner. But I, I feel an odd excitement. Do you feel that considering it's part of your busy time, but you are a college football fan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't admit this since you know I, I'm in the industry, but I kind of get three months into a season and it kind of gets monotonous for me. Sure. And baseball, because I haven't had a good season, got monotonous kind of quickly. So I'm very much looking forward to the college football season. I think there are a lot of interesting things. I think realignment creates some you know, intriguing betting opportunities, especially with a lot of teams going to venues that they've never really played in before. Uh, you know, you've eradicated divisions in a lot of these conferences as well. So kind of makes the regular season more interesting in terms of, you know, who's going to be playing in that conference championship game. I'm very excited for it. The only thing that's difficult is trying to keep up with the transfer portal and the NIL and all these guys moving around. But fortunately, there's a lot of good data out there, including the VSIN College Football Betting Guide, to get an idea of where everybody's wound up. And now I'm just ready for kickoff on Saturday. So here's my first general question when you're talking about, you know, getting into college football from a betting perspective. How do you account for change when it's change in certain positions and in key positions of guys who I'm not even talking about transfers, although I think a vast majority of starting quarterbacks are transfers that we've seen play, but but projecting guys who we haven't seen before, right? Young kids who have been either on a roster, uh, specifically a quarterback, maybe some freshmen who are getting starts for their respective programs. How do you account for change when you're going into a season? Yeah, it's very tough, especially because, you know, a lot of these guys, as you mentioned, transferring in. So they're learning new schemes. They've got new personnel. It takes some time to gel. You do get, you know, the spring practices and the spring games and all that. But, you know, how much can you really evaluate off of those? I know, you know, a, a guy who's a regular guest across all kinds of platforms here in the Valley, Brad Powers, mm -hmm. watches every spring game that he can and kind of evaluates on a player by player level. For me, you know, I try to think about fit. I try to think about the tendencies and, and what I know of the offensive coordinators. I try to think about the position groups that they're really going to focus on. You know, are they going to be a run-heavy team? Are they going to be a pass-heavy team? Are they going to try to achieve balance and fail with doing so? Because that will ultimately hurt their offensive numbers and statistics. So it's kind of what I look at. I kind of look at the whole. I sort of take all parts and look at the sum of them. And, you know, I will put together power ratings kind of by position group, looking at strengths and weaknesses, comparing relative to not only a national level, but also their brethren in the conference. So that's really my start is to kind of get together a foundation of power ratings while also trying to fill in some of the gaps that can't be quantified of, you know, hey, this quarterback's a good fit in this system or I don't like this quarterback in this system and start to formulate my thoughts that way. So you mentioned betting opportunities with some of these changes, you know, new teams starting in new leagues, Big 12. I wanted to focus on the American really quickly, and a lot of people might be like, oh, why the American Athletic Conference? It's a fascinating conference that's got a lot of depth to it and some really good teams. This is something that you've talked about in podcast form over at VEASAN. You wrote about in the College Football Betting Guide. But focus on the American and the changes and what that could mean from a betting perspective for teams like UTSA. And I would even throw Florida Atlantic in there, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but with Herman there now, I, I think that there is a, a really high ceiling for Florida Atlantic in that conference. But what do you make of the changes for the American and what betting opportunities are presented there? Yeah, just to recap really quickly what happened with the Americans. So they lost UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati to the Big 12. They got UTSA, North Texas, Florida Atlantic, UAB, Rice, and Charlotte from Conference USA. So the conference got pretty weak. It got substantially weaker. I mean, they lost arguably the three best teams. You know, Houston obviously has, you know, kind of overperformed and underperformed on a year-to-year -year basis. The thing that's interesting to me is, you know, I think a team like UTSA, this really isn't that big of a step up in class for them. 
I mean, yeah, you know, I think Fort Atlantic could be a really interesting team. I think Tom Herman is quite fascinating. Tulane, obviously, you know, they had such a great year last year and finished in the top 10. But, you know, SMU, I don't know, I guess we'll kind of wait and see. They lose Tanner Mordecai to Wisconsin, where they don't have a ton of experience at the quarterback position now. Memphis is just kind of floating in, you know, plus or minus a game of 500 territory. So I think this conference is really, really interesting, where I think UTSA is easily the class of it. But when you look at a team like Florida Atlantic, to look at them specifically, Casey Thompson automatically comes in, and he's maybe, what, the second-best quarterback in this conference? And, of course, you know Herman was part of that recruiting process for Thompson to Texas. So you know, I think this offense could end up being really, really good. And the defense, I mean, they've been pretty solid for the most part as well. So you know, I think that FAU is a team. My projections for 7.44 wins, their win total is 7.5. I think they probably – could overachieve a little bit, but I think UTSA is just a class of, of the AAC this year. All right, let's, let's tie in the conference where these, uh, a couple of these teams come from, right? Conference USA. Uh, CUSA stinks, but it does present an opportunity. Is Western Kentucky still at a playable price? Because I, I, getting into that a little bit more, I was surprised the prices that were available for WKU. Yeah, I mean, Western Kentucky is – they have the chance to be really, really incredible this season. I mean, I, I don't know how much money they had to give Austin Reed to come back, but he wound up doing so. I have this team projected for over nine wins. And keep in mind, one of their games is a punt because they play Ohio State, and I have them a 31-point dog on the road at, at the horseshoe. So, I mean, look, this is a team that I think 11-1 and one is very, very doable. The tough thing is after Ohio State, they play Troy on the road. Troy is an exceptional Sun Belt team top 10 defense in the country last year. Western Kentucky will test them, though. But when I look at this Western Kentucky team in conference, they're at least a touchdown favorite in every game for me. And I think it could grow as the season goes along. This team should win this conference, should go over their win total, should put up some really prolific numbers against a lot of really bad defenses. You can still get them at plus 120 to win Conference USA. That's uh, I, The more I've looked at this, the more I've been surprised by it. And I do think there's some room uh, in between here. So, all right, uh, Adam Burke here with us again, college football analyst and, and analyst of, of many other hats where I work over at VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Uh, let, let's, let's transition to a conference that I know at least you had a hand in helping out with. And, of course, it's a conference near and dear to the hearts of, of listeners out here in Las Vegas. That would be the Mountain West. When you were helping out with the Mountain West and looking around the conference, did anything stick out to you from a betting standpoint at all? Yeah, I think a couple of things stood out. I mean, you know, look, the first thing is I'm really curious to see what Wyoming does this season because I think Wyoming could low-key be a pretty good team in that conference. And I know that, you know, you got to worry about the Boise States and the Air Forces of the world. We'll see how much of a step back Fresno State takes because I think that's a definite possibility. But Wyoming has a lot of games – where they're favored, and then in their games where they're not favored to me, like they're plus two and a half at home against Appalachian State, plus two at home against Fresno State, those are two very winnable games. And I think we'll find out a lot about Craig Bull's team right away in week one when they play Texas Tech at home. Texas Tech, a team that some people love, some people are trying to throw some cold water on going into the season. But Wyoming is just one of those teams where if they ever got competent quarterback play or at least stayed healthy at the position, we know their defense will be good. We know they'll run the football. We know that their elevation is a huge positive factor for them at home. I think Wyoming is a team that, even though I have them projected for 6.6 wins, which is kind of you know in the realm of what they do on a regular basis, I think this team has a higher ceiling than people are giving them credit for in that Mountain West Conference. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's fascinating. So let's tie in something you wrote about in that college football the guide. Uh, I think Wyoming was one of those teams that actually had a weaker home field, right? If I remember correctly in your article, is it like one and a half points? Yeah. So, I mean, look, you know, they haven't taken full advantage of it. You know, they, they haven't really been able to cover a lot of numbers there. And I don't want to dig too deep into the weeds, but what I do with my home field advantage is I take a five-year sample of straight up plus ATS, uh, you know, record, and then kind of take the percentage of that and put teams into certain buckets. The reason I'm using five years is because of COVID. Next year, I'll go back to three years. So it'll kind of narrow the, the sample size down a little bit. But yeah, Wyoming is a team that just, you know, for whatever reason, they haven't performed up to their expectations at home, even though they probably should. And you would think that a team like that would because they just kind of lean on you and just play very physical in the trenches, which a lot of teams in the Mountain West don't. So maybe this will be the year where it kind of comes to fruition for them. Last minute here with uh, Adam Burke of Eason, college football betting analyst. Uh, all right, anything in week zero still on the board that is available that you would recommend playing or that you have bet at all? Haven't bet anything yet for week zero. Um, I, I think Louisiana Tech could be kind of a surprising team, and I don't think that FIU will be. The thing that concerns me is Mike McIntyre, with all kinds of prep, may end up being pretty decent in this spot here, but – I think Louisiana Tech with Sonny Cumbie could be a team that winds up taking a little bit of a step forward this season. So I would kind of think about laying the 10 there with them. Not a play I've made yet, but it is one that I'm kind of interested in. Uh, the other one that I'm sort of looking at here is, you know, what's going to happen with this Hawaii and Vanderbilt game? I mean, will the renovations in at Vanderbilt Stadium be done in time for this game? Will it get moved to a high school stadium? You know, they're really rushing to try and get everything done. That's an interesting game where Vanderbilt's got a lot going on to try and cover three scores. Yep, and uh, of course, uh, everything going on with Hawaii uh, in terms of the fires and uh, what that program has to deal with from a personal standpoint. It'd be interesting to see how they respond. Adam, it's good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a good one, JBT. Adam Burke, Las Vegas. I was going to say Las Vegas Review Journal because I said Adam. Sorry, Adam. Too many Adams on the show today. Adam yeah. Burke, my co my uh, coworker over at the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Awesome college football mind. Yeah, we can you believe, we're a week away from college football. One week from tomorrow, we get college football. Doesn't feel like it's that close. You like college football? Yeah. Okay. You but don't have to say if you, you know if you don't. You don't have to say. No, you, I do. You know? I do. I mean, when Tennessee was rolling last year, who is that? Your is that where your loyalties lie? I mean, UNLV, but this year UNLV is going to turn it Well, around. I don't really care. I'm just wondering. I don't know that much yeah. about you, Demond. Well, I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm from Tennessee, so, you know, if the volunteers oh, are doing good. okay. Okay. You know, the state school. How? You're from Tennessee, huh? Yeah. You know, I learned this the other day. The uh, There is a uh, a friend of mine who, I guess, like, how do I phrase this? So He's it's my from Tennessee? Well, no, well, no. Essentially, it's somebody that I've been that's been part of a friend group for a while, but I've never really sat down to talk to and get to know. But I do know him. Bad friend. Um, right. Me exactly. But like the other day, the other night, we were at, at a all a big get together, and we were all you know we're sitting in the back, and I'm very inebriated, and we're talking. He mentions like, yeah, you know, he's really into Georgia. I'm like, why do you like Georgia? He's like, oh, I'm from like that area. I'm like, you are. It was amazing. Just sat there and t- listened. I'm like, oh, I, just, I had no idea. I like to learn about people. I had no idea you were from Tennessee. How long did you live out there? Um, up until what year? Up until age 15 when I moved here. Get out of here, really? Yeah. How come you don't have an accent? Because I work in an industry where people frown upon accents. Why? I, I don't, nobody frowns upon accents. I don't think people would like a country accent. Do you, can you do one, though, probably, right? Yeah, it depends on what kind of 
accent do you want? Dude, like let's let's pretend here. Let's let's let me make up a totally let's make up a total randomly new story, a totally totally made up, and I want you to report on it. Barbara Walters assaulting Sage Steel. <laughs> Barbara, I, 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 hold on. That For those who know, I'm I'm not Sage Steel is now alleging that Barbara Walters, rest in peace, uh, rest in power, may or may not have tried to assault her when she made an appearance on The View in 2014. I did the math. Barbara Walters was 83. In 2014, something like that. You know what the problem is? It wouldn't be so much my accent for this. It's I don't know the words to say for a story like that, because it's so preposterous. I, what a what a life for Sage Steele. First Amendment. You she's getting when, violated in for ESPN she's on inside the NBA. Where they're like, "Police help! We need Chris Paul's trying to beat me." <laughs> <laughs> that would be that version of that. I can't. I can't take that seriously. When you, especially when you read the quotes, Sage, come on. We get it. You were a victim, but like, let's. And by the way, you think you were a victim, but Barbara Walters assaulting you? Come on.